Let me guess, you signed up for every free lead magnet and binged on every marketing YouTube video and thought, what am I missing? Why isn't my business exploding like that? Well, I can tell you, you're not alone. Whether you're just getting started or have an established business, entrepreneurship can be really lonely, but it doesn't have to be. Overcoming your fear of launching or building your personal brand or figuring out how to scale, it shouldn't be holding you back. It should be empowering you. On this podcast, we're going to deep dive into the mechanics of what it takes to build your brand, make your mark, and stake your claim in the digital marketing space. I'll be chatting with people from all walks of life and stages in their careers. I will be getting inspiration from real experts who will share their actual strategies and techniques to grow loyal and raving followings and sell more stuff. This is entrepreneurship from people who are already there making it happen. My name is Jeff Mendelson. Join me and welcome to the One Big Tip Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back. My name is Jeff Mendelson, and this is the One Big Tip Podcast. And today I have Ralph Peterson, who is a management development specialist and a best-selling author. He works specifically with the healthcare industry, which I thought is a very interesting industry to, to analyze today. He's going to come at us with some really great tips, not only about um, managing yourself and getting promoted, but also some bigger ideas on how to develop yourself and to excel in whatever industry you're in. Ralph, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So, Ralph, so in an introduction, you talked a little bit about, about the healthcare industry, and you've spent a lot of time in that industry and have looked at it from many different levels, from some of the lower positions all the way up into the upper management positions. Can you please take a few minutes to explain what your mission is and how you go about it? Absolutely. I started working in long-term care and healthcare and nursing homes as a housekeeper. So, I mean, talking about starting at the very bottom, I've started at the very bottom in, in nursing homes. My whole mission, my whole job, the thing that I get up to do every day is to promote, find, recruit, develop, and promote people who can be in charge. We do not have, it's not singular to the healthcare industry. I think it's a global problem that we have. We we do not have enough managers in the entire world. People who have both the desire and the ability to stand up and say, yes, I will take charge. Yes, I will take ownership. Yes, I will be responsible. And it's very difficult to find people who do that. And in long-term care, long-term care is the industry is very much like healthcare itself. It's like government. It's like companies that People come into the, it could be their first job. They come in at 16, washing dishes, and they retire there. That happens a lot in long-term care, where people spend their entire career working in nursing homes. And they just, it's a company that you can grow with, because at 16, you can wash dishes at night and do cook prep work and stuff. And then you can come out of college and be a nurse. You can be a, 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 a an administrator, you can be a social service director, you can work in maintenance, you can work in housekeeping. There's all kinds of opportunities and different career paths that you can take in long-term care. And there's a lot of opportunity for people who don't go to college to still get promoted in long-term care. So there's all kinds of great career paths you can take in long-term care, even without a four-year college degree. There's a lot of trade skills that we have. And so we have I work with a lot of managers who are, they simply come to me 
as really great, knowledgeable workers. They're great at their job. They're respected by everybody. They're liked by everybody. They have good self-management tools. And we work with them to become effective managers. Part of your mandate then is to find those gems, those people that, that, that either that start out in the industry or have demonstrated the ability to move up in the ranks. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And, yeah. There's a couple of, and that's actually part of your one big tip is that you don't necessarily, that in order to get ahead, right. And this, and this works not only for specifically for long-term care facilities or in the healthcare industry in general, this works for anyone who wants to strike out on their own or, or develop a, I want to do better mindset. Right. And you have a very easy way to describe that, which is stop. What you need to do is train yourself to not need your manager to tell you what to do all the time. Absolutely. And when, and if you ever do get the chance, and I hope everybody does gets the chance to be in charge, you're going to see how much you absolutely love people who can manage themselves, who do not need to be micromanaged. People who do, you don't need to look over their shoulder every minute. So my tip is if you want to get ahead, if you want to make more money, you have to stop needing so much oversight. If your job is to do X, Y, and Z, figure out a way to do X, Y, and Z without somebody having to tell you after you do X, oh, now you have to go do Y. Oh, then you have to do Z. If you just move from one transition to the next, to the next, to the next, I cannot tell you how fast you're going to get recognized as somebody that is reliable, self-managed, and dependable, and somebody that we can work on to promote. And promoting is key word for make more money. Okay. So that doesn't always happen, though, in the real world. I mean, let's be honest. I've been in positions, right, where, where I have seen, at least in my opinion, right, that other people have been promoted that have been promoted above me, right? And I know from my experience that it took me a long time to overcome that. You know, first of all, there's that initial hurt. Why wasn't I promoted above that? But then, you know, like with, you know, with age and maturity, you know, you start thinking like, maybe he was a better candidate or maybe she was a better candidate at the time. What qualities would you say that someone like that needs to demonstrate in order to, to pop up on upper management's radar in order to be promoted or be considered for some kind of promotion. Because sometimes that's not always so apparent, right? It's, and it could be specific to each industry or to each office, but, but generally what companies are trying to do is promote from within. So they're not necessarily gonna go out and promote from the outside. They're gonna take what they have and then put money into the, person, the best person that they feel that they have at the time. How do they, like, what do you think are the qualities this person needs to demonstrate in order to, in order to demonstrate that I am management material? Well, let me, let me hit you with a small statistic that is pretty terrible, but honest. We get it wrong two thirds of the time. Two thirds of the time, I have two candidates, candidate one, candidate two. They both work really hard. They've both been here for the same amount of time. They're both reliable and dependable. I only have one management spot. I've got to choose one over the other. Two thirds of the time, I will make the wrong decision. Two thirds of the time. That's a crazy statistic. Is, it is a true statement. 
Five million, it is estimated that more than five million people are promoted to a leadership position in America every year, either from their first time management position, you know, the super worker to a supervisor, or you're going from a super worker to an assistant or a front end supervisor, or any kind of leadership transaction where you're moving up. Two thirds, 3.3 million of those candidates will fail in the first 90 days. And that failure is terrible across the board. It's not good for the company. It's not good for the employee. The employee is either being demoted or they're being fired. And I want you to pay attention. I want you to do, or not pay attention, but think about who I'm talking about. I'm talking about the employee that just the other day I was saying, I wish I had 10 of her. If I could have a mimic machine, I would, I mean, if I had 10 people like her, I would have no problems. And Management position opens up because somebody gets promoted or somebody moves away or somebody takes another position somewhere. So I have to go find somebody to fill that spot. And I'm like, oh my God, I know exactly who I'm going to promote. This girl is so awesome. I wish I had 10 of her. I bring her in. I try to promote her, get her up into the management ranks. Two thirds of the time, what's going to end up happening within three months, I'm either going to have to demote her or terminate her. Either way, I am going to lose. I am in putting my company and myself in jeopardy of losing or at the very least demotivating my best employee. It is very challenging to become, make that transition from super worker to supervisor. So when you say, what characteristics do you look for? There's a bunch. I mean, you could, you could type off things like, I look for people who mean what they say, you know, say what they mean and do mean what they say. I've been looking for people who finish what they start. I look for people who are always on time, people who other people look to, other people trust, other people like, because they're going to have to be that kind of a person. I look for somebody who is demonstrating that they have the ability to be better than everybody else. And now, I don't mean that they're going to, they have magic pants all of a sudden and they're putting on their pants better than everybody else. I simply mean, you know it yourself. If somebody gets promoted above you, they better be better than you. They better, they, they, if they have any time in, in the past history that they're late or they weren't getting their work done and they get promoted over you and you've never been late, how likely are you to accept that? I mean, you're not gonna. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's interesting. In my, in my trajectory, for example, uh, I think you really hit it. It is, it is intensely demotivating. And I remember going through a period, especially when, um, especially after I got my master's degree and I was starting my family and I was like, I was in these jobs and I would, I would lose out to lesser qualified candidates. And I was like, F this, I'm out of here. Yeah. Right. And you know, they lost it. And it's interesting because, you know, now with LinkedIn and Facebook, you know, people can, you know, your ghost from, you know, from Jeff's past can come up and pop up and they'll always say like, yeah, remember you were really the top guy. That's like, well, great. Thank you. But it, that, that didn't help at the time. Right. There's another thing. There's another thing that we have to, there's a couple of things that I, that I want to also point out. So the first thing I would say is sevens, higher fives. Have you ever heard that turn of phrase sevens, higher fives? What that means is it, Okay, so what it means is... No, never. Explain that, please. If I'm a hiring manager, let's say that I'm the one promoting the manager to work under me. And from a scale of zero to 10, zero being I really am the worst, most ineffective manager, and 10 being I'm the most effective. Let's say on that scale, I'm a seven. Now, a seven's a pretty good scale. Seven, that means I'm pretty effective. I'm not hitting everything, but I'm hitting more things. I'm more effective than I am less effective. 
However, I'm so close to that middle, still a seven is so close to that five, that there are still some qualities in me that I probably get an attitude about. I'm probably still scared of anybody who may show or exhibit some signs that they're a little better than me, or worse, that the people above me respect them a little better than me. So a seven would never hire another person who is equal to them. They would never ever hire, ever hire another seven. They would never hire an eight. A seven will never hire a seven. They'll hire a six, a five, a four. They'll hire a five. They'll hire somebody that they can control. That, so that's, that's a good self-gauge. When you're looking to hire or promote somebody, think about how you're looking at the person, the ideal person. Are you looking at the ideal person as someone who is going to be subjective to you, who you can work with, you know they won't push back and won't, won't fight with you. Maybe they are not as smart as you, not as educated as you. That is you being a seven hiring a five. On the other hand, if you're the type of person who gets over that hump and you're looking for people who are 10 times more educated than you, way more capable than you, and you're like, yeah, no, no, I, I need you because you, you know stuff that I couldn't even, I, I, it would take me too long to learn. That's an eight hiring a nine or a nine hiring a 10 or a 10 hiring another 10, right? So it may just simply be the person that was promoting and hiring was a seven and you were probably a seven or an eight. And there's no chance they're going to do, they're going to put themselves in career suicide. I mean, could you imagine, you've heard it before. I'm not going to hire my replacement. You put in, you bring in the person who's going to replace me. You want me to train them? No chance. That's the same attitude a seven has when they're looking to promote or hire a new manager. That's why they hire five. That is so prevalent in just about every place that I have ever worked. Yeah. Wow. That's really amazing. The other thing that I would say, because I said there was two things, that's one. The second thing is there really is a good guy component. There really is. And so there's politics involved. That means if you're the type of person who slides in at seven and slides out at three 30 and you have a wonderful balanced life where you, when you're at work, you're at work. And when you're home and your family, you're home and your family. And then here comes this other guy and he shows up at six 45 and he stays till four. And those little early times he's hanging out with the boss. And at the end of the day, he's doing a little more hanging out with the boss. The boss is more comfortable with that person. They know that person a little more. They're friendly a little more. And that good guy or good girl kind of aspect really plays into effect over who you want to work with. Because do you want to work with your friends or do you want to work with your enemies? I mean, of course you're going to say you want to work with your friends. So let's say, do you want to work with people who you get along with or people you like? We're going to say, I want to get work with people who I like. Okay. So do you want to work with people you like, but you don't really know that well and don't hang out with, or do you want to work with somebody that you like and know and hang out with? I mean, so there is some politics in that. I know that I myself have screwed myself. Because there was boss ahead of me, above me, the guy doing all the promoting, I couldn't stand. And all my all my other coworkers would be like, "No, we're going out to you know this guy's going to be bringing us all out. It's super fun. You should have been there." And I'm like, I would never go. And you know what? I never went. You know what else I never did? Never got promoted. You never got promoted. That's right. But I, it, it was my fault because there is politics in it. There really is. That's why, that's why, you know, their, you know, their golf game is important. That's why bowling is important. That's why, you know, uh, uh, attending the company picnic is important. Going to the company Christmas cart party. It's important. It's good for you. It's good for your, your whole team, everybody you work with to let your hair down a little, put yourself in a situation where 
You can just have regular conversations with the people above you or you're never going to get noticed. I never thought about it that way. Honestly, I hated all those events. You know, it was funny. Uh, uh, something uh, a lot of people don't know about me is that um, I, used, I used to call myself the Grim Reaper of companies because every time I would get a promotion or some kind of recognition, like most productive employee of the year or, you know, or employee of the month or whatever it was, I was usually out the door within six months. Well, I don't know. I can speculate, but I see it all the time. What, what is your speculation then? Well, we have in long-term care, we have a quality award program that's put out by the American Healthcare Association. And it is a really hard, lot of work. It's, a, it's based on the Baldridge criteria, Malcolm Baldridge Award. It's a national award. And every company in the country can apply for it. And it's just based on how, to, how do you manage your organization? How do you solve problems? How do you build a, develop a strategy? How do you ensure strategies are working? How do you engage customers? How do you listen to customers? How do you engage them? So you answer all these questions, right? So you're, it takes a lot of work. And there's three steps. It is a bronze level which is a five-page application. There's a silver level, which is a 25-page application. And then there's a gold level, which is a 75-page application. So you can see how it's a lot of work on the administrator. Yeah? Right. It's also worth it. I mean, it's worth it on two different levels. Number one, if you go through the process, you're going to have so much clarity on how you are developing your management team, how you guys are managing, how you're developing our strategy, how you're treating customers. You're going to see all the gaps in your business. It's so fantastic. Everybody who goes through the process makes more money. I mean, it's just a guarantee because you're so much clearer on your job, on, on your position. Have you ever done a competitive analysis where you look at your competitors around you and see what they offer and compared to what you offer? And then in the application, it asks you to say, okay, so what are your strategic challenges and what are your strategic advantages? That is, why would anybody choose you over them? And let's go in reverse. Why are they choosing you and choosing them and not you, right? So you're really focusing in on this and breaking it down. So it's really great. So the bronze application is pretty, again, it's five pages. It's it's far the easiest. The silver is very challenging. It takes a lot of work. Now, I have seen a lot of administrators work their tail off to get the silver. I mean, really work their tail off for the silver. It takes months of work, usually by yourself at your kitchen table at night, writing this 25-page document. They win the award, and within six months, they get terminated. It happens all the time. They took this building, this nursing home, this facility from no award to two awards, the bronze award, then they went and got the silver award. And I can only speculate that once you get the silver award, because most of the time, there's not a lot of people who go for the gold from silver. A lot of people are happy at the silver. Like that's the end goal. And that is the problem. They lose their mission. They no longer have a target they're reaching for. See, for that, that whole time that they've been reaching for that goal, they're going to get that silver award. They're in it to win it. I mean, they're doing everything they can to get that award. As soon as they get the award, they no longer have a focus point. And so things, and let's be honest, we can't appreciate each other enough. I mean, I, I'm the worst at it. I'm constantly trying to get my wife to say good job to me. Like, I'm constantly, like, it's stupid. <laughs> I know. It's like at the end of the day, I'll be raffling off all the things I did. You know, I did 
did this today, I did this today, I did this today. And she'll reach out, she'll go, I apologize and pat you on the back today. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. We, we, I, too many people feel so underappreciated. We have a real underappreciation problem in, in, in my experience. And it's not because companies and employers don't recognize and appreciate you. It's because employees and we just simply think, if you don't give me a million dollars and show me that kind of appreciation, then I mean, you're, you're, I mean, a pat on the back isn't worth anything to people anymore. A $10 bonus, a coffee card, a, a pizza party, they, those used to be considered very nice things. They still are to some of us. But to a most majority, it's you could never do enough to satisfy. People just lose sight of the this for that. I'm, I went over and above for you. I came in early for two weeks, so I deserve a raise for the rest of my life. It doesn't, you know. And so I see that all the time. So I see it on both sides. I see one, they lose their mission. And so they kind of drop the ball. They stop doing all the things that were making them so successful. And on the other side, they don't think they're getting a pre they, they At the end of it, they're like, that's all? I just get a, a, a trophy that I can't even take home because it's, it's for the facility that just stays there? That's all. I worked all this high time for that. Nobody even cares because the next day the, the census is down, the budget's due. I have to, I'm getting yelled at because there was too much overtime. And I mean, overtime, you're yelling at me because I had 10 hours of overtime. I just won you an award. Exactly. I've seen that so many times. And it, you know, it's, you know, with all that reminds me of, uh, there are these demotivational posters that are the exact same as the motivational posters, but they're just demotivating. And you read some of them and you're like, oh my God, that is so true. It's <laughs> amazing. Ralph, that was some really amazing advice. Thank you very much for that. Can you please take a moment to tell everyone where they can reach you if they want to learn more about what it is that you do and to, uh, and to contact you? Sure. Absolutely. It's easy. It's ralphpeterson.com. You can get everything from there. You can get all social media, email, phone numbers, address, you, you name it. You want to find out what I do and how I do. And if what I do works for you, it's all at ralphpeterson.com. But if you were to give me just a minute to pontificate a little bit, I really would like to just put it out there that I'm sincere when I say that we really, really, really need people to step into a leadership position. Even though there is a very high attrition rate, even though two thirds of all first time managers fail within the first 90 days, it doesn't mean you fail for life. I lost my first management job when I was 16 years old in eight minutes. Eight minutes it took me from getting promoted to getting fired. That's crazy. In eight minutes. And well, because I was, I was naive. I was naive. I didn't know what leadership was. I didn't know what it meant. I thought it was that I'm now all of a sudden God and everybody has to do exactly what I say and they won't even question it. Well, that's not even close to what it is, right? Leadership is really all about serving. So serving your staff, serving your community, serving, serving, serving. But there is a huge deficit. There's a huge deficit in long-term care. There's a huge deficit in healthcare and government and every company, every country across the world we're all lacking people who say, yes, you can count on me. Yes, I'll be responsible. Yes, I will stand up. Yes, I will work harder. Yes, I will learn more. Yes, I will try harder. And I'm telling you, it is worth it. It is the best job in the world. And so I'm just on a global recruiting campaign to go and talk to people who you work for. And just, if you're ever interested in becoming a manager, go to your boss and say, you know, if there's ever an opportunity to learn how to become a manager or to do more, that is how you're going to be 
able to make more money, which is, of course, my big thing. Like, you want to make more money, I want to give you more money. Just help me continue to achieve this goal. And leadership is the really the only way to do it. So if you've ever been in charge or ever wanted to be in charge, if you've been in charge and you failed, get back on it. You can do it again. Failure is how it's supposed to go in leadership. You make big decisions and you make big mistakes. That's how it happens. If you need to move to a different job, a different state, a different country to get another opportunity, do it. It's worth it. It is worth it. That's it. That's great, Ralph. Thank you so much for being here. This has been a really enjoyable conversation and I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with all of us about that. My pleasure. Thank you for having me.